Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Smattering. I'm Jason Hall, joined by Jeff Santoro today. Pretty excited to be starting something a little bit new here. We're going to be doing some stock takes and taking a close look at stocks that either Jeff or I own. And we decided it would be good to start with my largest holding, the stock that's the largest in my portfolio. Give a review of it. And Jeff's got some questions for me. Jeff, what do you got? So one thing I know about you, Jason, is that you have a, a large portfolio. You have about 120 stocks. And for Mercado Libre to uh, get itself to be your largest holding, some things must have gone right. So we're going to talk through that. Um, so I guess, first of all, just tell us about the company itself and how it became your largest holding. Yeah. So as a starting point, Mercado Libre, I think most people have some basic idea of what the business is. But I think it's important to understand there's really two parts of it that are both very important. Uh, started, um, Marcus Gal- Galperon founded the company in the late 1990s. He was a grad student um, um, in business school and was roundly told by his fellow um, Latin American students that it was a terrible idea. So, of course, he founded the business anyway. And now it is by far the largest e-commerce business um, in a little over half a dozen countries in Latin America and Central America. So that's the core business, and it's still growing at a very rapid rate. It's the, the Mercado Libre website, um, the platform, um, and then the back end is the, the logistics that it operates, the distribution centers to actually deliver those goods. There's lots of merchants that sell goods on the Mercado Libre platform, but then there's also the payments business, Jeff, that, the, that Mercado Libre started because there wasn't really anything for a lot of um, its potential customers who were unbanked don't have access to digital payments. So it founded Mercado Pago and established um, relationships with a lot of physical locations for people to be able to put money into their Mercado Pago platform, so into their payments account. So what's happened? Mercado Pago actually does more volume of dollars than Mercado Libre does. It's incredible that it's how it's grown, that more dollars from Mercado uh, Pago happen off of the platform. It's become the de facto digital payment system for um, a, a, a large portion of, of Latin America. People paying their bills with it, people using it to buy things in other, other physical retail locations, and of course still using it on Mercado Libre. So its, it's ultimate success with those two things has made it a much more valuable company. And to answer that second part of the, 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 kind of the first part of the question is how has it become um, my largest holding, uh, the, the number one is just by being a big winner. So for, for those that are watching the video, you'll see um, I'm going to share it on the screen, but I'll talk through it for anybody listening on the podcast. You see the purple line. This is since I first opened um, my position and began buying stock in the company. Um, it's up over 1,100%. This is since April 2014. Uh, by comparison, the S&P 500 is up 162% in total return. So um, it's delivered about seven-fold better returns than, than, than the S&P 500 over that same period. It's been incredibly, incredibly successful. That's part of it. The other part of it, Jeff, is that this is a company that I have continued to dollar-cost average into. I didn't, after those initial positions in 2014, I didn't add to it for five or six years, which in hindsight was a mistake. But I've added more money to this company over the past 12 or 18 months. I've continued to buy more shares um, as a result, um, even though it's a 10-bagger based on those original investments, an 11, actually a 12-and-a-half-bagger, um, to- in total, I've doubled, I've doubled my investment on it because I bought shares in the 80s, 
and I bought shares for $1,000, right? So I continue to have very high conviction in this, in this company. So you mentioned that the, the, the business started as that e-commerce platform, e-commerce platform um, in Latin America, but then they added the payments business. So what do you think between those two, between Mercado Libre and Mercado Pago, which is more important to the future success of the business? I think they're both going to be really important for a long term, but for, for a long time. But I think at the end of the day, if we look back in three decades, I think there's a very good chance that Mercado Pago could be the more impactful business. Um, during the pandemic, um, again, the f- founder and CEO, um, Marcus Gaperon, did an interview with the CEO of PayPal on a, a, a video blog that he was doing. And in that interview, he said that the company's mission is to make Mercado, or to make Latin America cashless, right? That, to me, says a tremendous amount about where the company's focus is over the long term. And at the end of the day, it can build a very large e-commerce business from here and continue to, to build on its real structural advantages to grow cash flows. But that's only going to be a small part of the entire economy in Latin America. And the payments business can participate in so many things that the e-commerce business that Mercado Libre is just will never be able to, to, to be able to be a part of. So then I guess my last question would be, what's the thing that could go wrong, right? So if this turns out to not be a great investment from here on out, what went wrong? There's, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. So I think if you start unpacking it, um, starting with the e-commerce business, is it, there's a high level of execution risk here to continue to build distribution, that physical footprint, the last mile delivery logistics, these are lower, higher capital, lower margin businesses, right? Where failures can be more catastrophic to your ability to generate cash, right? So I think that's an important thing to remember is executing well on that is the execution risk is certainly higher there. The good thing is that it's done it in so many countries already. It understands the regulatory environments. It has established relationships. So it should be able to continue to scale that up. With the payments business, I think there's, a, there's going to be infinitely more competition because the structural challenges to get into that business isn't, isn't as high, and it's easier to scale up those platforms, right? So I think there's going to be very, very high competition, and the regulatory regime could be more challenging in those areas. Um, actually, the lack thereof, strangely enough, because companies can do things in countries in Latin America that they would have to have a bank charter to be able to do in the U.S., right? So, so that lack of regulatory structure could actually increase competition. That can erode margins, and that can make it a less profitable business. Um, so, so those are probably the two things that I'm most, I'm most concerned about and focused on. We're here to ask the important questions. We're going to give answers to, but you need to answer those questions for yourselves. Nothing we said is investing advice, people. Make your own decisions. You can do it. <laughs>